Colleagues, Anthony McKay, CEO and President of the National Centre on Education and the Economy, uh, bringing you another of our series in Global Ed Talks. And I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by uh, Professor James Spillane. Jim, welcome. Thank you, Tony. It's wonderful to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And um, people will know you as a uh, researcher, uh, as um, certainly uh, an influencer of educational policy and practice, both uh, in the US uh, and internationally. Uh, they will particularly know you uh, by virtue of your current role as Professor of Education uh, in uh, learning and organisational change at uh, Northwestern University. Uh, but, but Jim, I just want to say that when you look at your list uh, of credits here, you're also Professor of Human Development and Social Policy, Professor of Learning Sciences, and one that really attracted my attention, that is uh, Professor by Courtesy uh, of management and organizations. Can I just understand what it means by courtesy? Uh, a lot of uh, departments uh, in the United States uh, universities will give you an appointment, uh, but uh, they want you a little bit on the margins. They don't want to uh, have full credit for you or take responsibility for you. So this is quite a, a common designation in the US. Uh, I'm delighted to be part of the College School of Management, but uh, it is uh, coming from their courtesy. So That's wonderful. Well, Jim, uh, the truth is that your work uh, has been so much at the interface of research policy and practice. And that's why I think it's become so powerful, particularly around what we're going to talk about today. And that is system-wide educational leadership. Uh, you and I had a conversation earlier this year when we were uh, gathered together at the ICSI conference, the International Congress on School Effectiveness and Improvement, and you were at that point uh, providing a workshop, a seminar on your recent WISE publication, World Innovation Summit for Education, called Educational Leadership multi, a Multi-Level Distributed Perspective. Jim, let me just therefore at the outset ask you this question. Um, what is your argument for system-wide educational leadership, or if you like, your argument for why we need to think about educational leadership as a, from a, a multi-level distributed perspective? Are you reframing the argument around educational leadership? Uh, yes, uh, Tony, if you look at a lot of the work in educational leadership, uh, it tends to be place-based or person-based. We talk about school leadership, we talk about system leadership, uh, we talk about principal leadership or head teacher leadership, we talk about teacher leadership. Uh, and while we've learned a lot from those perspectives, they're also very limiting uh, because educational leadership uh, is not bound by the person or the place. Uh, and what uh, Richard Morrell and Asma Al-Fadala and, and I are doing in this brief is to say, pause, let us think about uh, the work of educational leadership uh, systemically. And by that, we mean by attending not only to the school, 
uh, and indeed the various subunits within the school, the grade level or the subject matter department, but also let us think about the broader education system in which schools operate, and indeed the educational sector that is not always fully aligned with the education system. For example, in a lot of countries, the United States is a perfect example, uh, there are multiple educational systems operating within the educational sector in the United States. These include public school districts, these include uh, religious-based uh, educational systems, such as uh, Catholic uh, diocesan systems. Uh, they include uh, charter school uh, networks that are educational systems. But also we increasingly see um, international, uh, what we might see as transnational education systems operating in the United States, like uh, um, IB or uh, Montessori. So uh, thinking uh, carefully, I think, about educational leadership as a practice that is not bound by place or person is important if we really want to engage seriously with its comprehensiveness. Jim, then you, I think, advocate that you need to situate leadership, uh, whether we are talking about it at school system or sector level, you need to situate it um, almost like an anchor in with teaching. What does that mean? Yes, I think it's critical. We need an anchor. Uh, we especially uh, need an anchor if we want to engage educational leadership at multiple levels. Because as you know, as we move from the classroom or the department to the school, to the system, it is very easy to lose sight of what we're about. And uh, for us in this report, in fact, we devote a whole chapter to uh, anchoring uh, educational leadership in and with teaching. And this involves more than just uh, pleasantries about, oh, leadership is about teaching and learning. It is fundamentally about thinking of not only what the object of educational leadership is, but also what the subject of educational leadership is. And that is teaching, the core work of schools. And when we think about teaching, we're not thinking about just teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic, the three R's. We're thinking about teaching broadly to include not only cognitive development, but also socio-emotional development, ethical and moral development, uh, and indeed the physical uh, development of children. Anchoring in teaching uh, challenges us to ask, what do we mean by teaching? Uh, because unless we have a shared vision about what kids should learn, how they should learn it, then it is very, very difficult to think about how can we lead uh, improvement in teaching and how can we support teaching uh, across time? How can we maintain the quality of teaching uh, absent a shared understanding as the anchor uh, for the work? That's very, very difficult. In fact, uh, I would argue that without that, it is hard to uh, develop educational leadership and indeed to build uh, educational infrastructures for supporting 
teaching. This is interesting because uh, so much of the language that we hear around leadership at the moment is um, the leadership of learning, leading learning organizations. Uh, and often people are saying, I want to put the focus on learning rather than on teaching. How do you make this distinction here? And in your mind, what is the relationship then of leadership in relation to teaching and learning? And you talk a lot about the importance of not just action, but interaction. It's about the relationships here that is so important as you, you again, I think, argue that this is about um, curating and channeling. Uh, I'd love you to explore both those dimensions and the interface between teaching and learning. Uh, certainly, I, I, I'm a big uh, believer in the importance of learning. Uh, I think leadership for learning is, is very important and uh, a, an important contribution to the field. However, when we focus on leadership for learning, especially when that learning is defined mostly in terms of children, there is a tendency to kind of leap over teaching. Now, the primary means that we have in education systems to promote, to enable, to cultivate learning is teaching. Teaching is the core technology of schooling. And uh, too often, I think, we think about teaching as simply a reflex of learning. It's not. Uh, a theory of learning, uh, uh, it does not follow from that a theory of teaching. Therefore, what we do in this report is to say, yes, learning is the ultimate goal. Learning is the outcome. But the way we can get there is through teaching. Therefore, uh, when we want to think about educational leadership, when we want to improve educational leadership, we need to think systematically about what's the vision of teaching we want to anchor educational leadership in, and how do we connect the practice of educational leadership to the practice of teaching, including supporting teaching, maintaining its quality, and indeed leading improvement in teaching. And in this, I think your point about actions versus interactions, I think are critical. Uh, in the report, we argue, drawing on the work of several uh, scholars over the last 20 years, we, we argue that teaching is a social practice. It is fundamentally about interactions as teachers interact with children around particular material. It is in those interactions that teaching unfolds, kids co-produce teaching with students. Uh, and in much the same way, leadership is a distributed or social practice. It takes form, it takes shape in the interaction among leaders and followers as these interactions are shaped by key aspects of their situation. So it's, the, the, the challenge, if you will, for educational leadership is how does this social practice of educational leadership connect with the social practice of teaching? And of course, one of the ways in which to think about that, as we argue in the report, is to think about uh, 
cultivating uh, uh, relationships uh, that um, access and activate those yeah. resources that are fundamental for quality teaching. Not only teacher knowledge, but also social resources, material resources, and indeed the cultural resources of both students and teachers that are so critical to teaching. So given the way in which you anchor this work, yep, um, which I think is really powerful, uh, you then have a huge challenge <laughs> of um, coordination. Uh, this is, as you point out, this is leadership uh, that is system-wide. This is leadership which is distributed. This is leadership which is multi-level. Now, given the way in which you, you introduced the landscape here, say, say a word about the nature of this coordination cha challenge, because I think at one point, in the paper, you talk about stretching the leadership across. Uh, this is fascinating uh, because uh, obviously at NCE, so much of our work is about the development of system leadership and distributed leadership. How do you view that? Uh, I think you're right. Like any organization, any system, uh, we have to divide up the work in order to accomplish it. But as you know, dividing up the work, if you divide tas tasks up, you have to figure out how do we put them back together? How do we integrate the work again? And that's the key challenge, I think, when we think about educational leadership at multiple levels. Central to this has been work that I've been doing with uh, several colleagues, Don Purek, David Cohn, around the notion of educational infrastructure. And I think infrastructure is really fundamental to thinking about the coordination challenge. And we, when we talk about infrastructure, uh, we are, you know, typically we think about infrastructure, we think about the infrastructure in our homes or the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure that, that fundamentally shapes how we do everyday ordinary things from getting to work, traffic jams, et cetera. And, and it is like that in a sense in that it is about uh, um, uh, materials and the likes, but it is much more. So when we think about infrastructure, we think about the instruments and tools uh, of instruction itself, curriculum, assessment, materials of various sorts. But we also think about the formal positions, routines, procedures, and, and regulations that guide things like professional learning, maintain the quality of teaching, enable uh, improvement. But it is also the case, like any infrastructure, it includes norms and values uh, and, and cognitive scripts for how we do the work. And if you look at educational systems, some have very well-developed educational infrastructures. They say, here is the curriculum that kids will learn at different grade levels. They say, here are the assessments that kids will take. They say, here are the requirements or how uh, teachers will learn to teach this curriculum. Uh, they say, here are a set of norms about how teachers work together and work with educational leaders to do the work. 
And the infrastructure is not just at the school level. It goes beyond the school to the educational system. Uh, you, you see this in a lot of national education systems that have uh, well-developed educational infrastructures in place that um, uh, actually uh, most schools or a lot of schools uh, are, are belong to. And this is at the national level. You begin to see in the United States, I think, a lot of school districts, some charter school networks, working to build educational infrastructures to support teaching, to maintain the quality of teaching. Um, uh, so the, the infrastructure is fundamental to really trying to think about how the work of supporting teaching, how the work of educational leadership is divided up at different levels, but also, which is most important, how it's coordinated and put back together. Um, absent infrastructure, it's very, very difficult uh, to create, to cultivate coordination. So therefore the coordination effort, uh, particularly with the complexity of uh, decision-making within uh, the US, broadly speaking, yep, where the degrees of freedom that operate uh, at the school and district level, the coordination challenge, the uh, systemness dimension is crucial. Um, I, I think you're arguing here, right? So the more we think about leadership in the context, particularly of the US at this point, explain your argument about why you're talking about the importance of, the, the particular importance of system leadership in a US context, because we are getting a resurgence of interest in educational leadership all over the world. I have to say, a lot of it seems to be focused upon the principle. Uh, what's your view about that in the context of the US? And why is it so important that in fact, I take it at all levels, people see themselves at multi-levels, yes, people see themselves as system leaders. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in part what we've seen over the last 20, 25 years in the United States is uh, a lot of school districts, you might say school systems, trying to transform themselves into educational systems, trying to build educational systems. That is where their core work is about the educational function. It's not simply about access, making sure every kid gets to go to school. It's about fundamentally trying to shape, improve what kids experience in schools. And this is what educational systems uh, do. Hence, I think, as a result, you have all of a sudden people think, well, leadership is no longer just uh, a matter of concern at the school level. It's yeah. also a concern at the system level. And it is very uh, interesting that you said about this rising interest in school leadership, school leadership, I think we should be talking about educational leadership uh, in uh, a lot of other countries. Um, in part, I think what happened, uh, a lot of the work on school leadership, principal leadership, emerged from the United States. And that made a lot of sense because if decisions about efforts to improve teaching happened, they happened if they, uh, they happened at the school level, not yes. at any other level. Um, therefore, I think 
what you're beginning to see is a lot of other countries saying, oh, we should be doing something around school leadership also. And I'm saying, yes, uh, possibly, but you need to approach that challenge uh, systemically. Uh, it is educational leadership. Uh, it, you cannot just address it by saying, oh, here is what uh, school leaders need to do. Uh, here is uh, the competencies that school leaders have, because those competencies are likely to differ in important ways, depending on the education systems in which these schools operate. Uh, the competencies to lead improvement in teaching in a national system where there is a defined curriculum, where there is an agreed upon uh, a vision for what kids should learn at different grade levels in different subjects is very different from one where that uh, agreement or consensus is left uh, to the individual school, which has been historically the case uh, in the United States. So that's why thinking systemically about educational leadership at multiple levels is so important. Well, Jim, this is, you are talking absolutely our language here, um, but I, and we've got a global audience. And so therefore, uh, we know that, certainly from our own research work at MCE, as we gather uh, work around the, the highest performing learning systems, educational systems um, globally, and we attempt to understand the nature of the design uh, that has led to their high performance, on particular metrics, yep. yep. Then obviously leadership is one of those dimensions. And then when you think about learning from that within the context of the US, one's gotta be very careful about uh, the translation, the adaptation, yep. the way in which you can certainly apply those lessons around systemness, but you apply it within a particular context and culture. But it will mean a shift in policy and practice, I would argue, and you argue this, if yeah. we are going to get quality teaching that obviously is associated with quality learning, right? In, at every level of the system. So my, my final question to you in a sense is, what are the policy implications here? Uh, put, your, put your consultant's hat on, <laughs> uh, as well as your researcher uh, uh, hat put your policy consultants hat on and say, listen, here are the policy implications. And by the way, while I'm at it, this is how you might best develop this leadership capacity, right? A system wide. Yeah. I, I mean, I, one big lesson uh, from what you just uh, said, Tony, I think is in the United States, education policymakers, I believe would do well to stop making piecemeal policy about educational leadership, stop making policy about principal leadership, stop making policy about teacher leadership, stop making policy about system leadership, and adopt a system perspective. In other words, build systems, build education systems, uh, enact policies that will support uh, educational system building. And that's very, very different than what we have seen over the last 30, 40, 50 years. In fact, since the founding of the uh, public schooling, 
it has been these piecemeal efforts at different levels to address these uh, one or two components of what we call the educational infrastructure. We'll do a little on standards and maybe assessment over here. We'll do a little on teacher certificate. Th that approach that what I call the policy perspective uh, I don't think will have a lasting impact. In fact, I don't think we'll have very much of an impact because instead we need to think about how do we build education systems, engage in design work, and in doing that, think about the work of educational leadership as something that stretches from uh, the school to the system uh, uh, in the process. Uh, that's a very, very different mindset than we've had, even with systemic reform, where it was a couple of components, not thinking more broadly of uh, the need to engage in system building. Uh, and I think the key lesson for development is to go back to our earlier issue and ask, given uh, this education system, uh, where should responsibility for different aspects, our different resources, supporting the, the development of different resources, where should that be placed? Uh, is it best at the department or grade level? Is it best at the school level? Is it best at the system level? And more importantly, how will this work in interaction to support teaching or not? Uh, and those interactions are key. This is not a matter of departmentalizing the work and saying, off you go, you work independent of one another. Interdependencies are going to be key. Uh, but it will all depend on, I think, uh, how do we build, what's the infrastructure and where is the most optimal place uh, to give responsibility uh, for different components of that. Well, then, Jim, it strikes me, therefore, that this is not a recipe for generic leadership. Not at all. Uh, leadership is not monolithic, leadership is not generic. It depends on not only the vision for teaching and learning that we have, but it depends on the education system and the educational infrastructure uh, that uh, educational leaders, whether they're at the system or school level, are working with. Uh, and that's key. I think one of, the, uh, one of the ways in which those of us in the research world have shortchanged practitioners is we come up with these generic uh, proposals. And you know, some things more than likely hold across systems and across national education sectors. But there are a lot of things that do not. And I think we need to ensure, to go back to your um, uh, drawing on these different lessons from other countries, we need to make sure that things do not get lost in translation. We need to make sure that we extrapolate lessons that can indeed uh, work in different contexts. And there have been some efforts to do this in Southeast Asia, which I find uh, really interesting. Absolutely. Um, Jim, um, I've always felt that we've shared a mindset <laughs> that's just been reinforced. Uh, in this conversation. But I think what you're arguing for, as we have been, is a mind shift. If we are going to get system-wide educational leadership, multi-level, to uh, be harnessed in a way that can, as you say, produce an intentional, designed, built, high-performing learning system, we have to think about leadership in the terms 
that you have shared. And I think the one thing I want to say to you is that there are very few who combine the research policy and practice dimensions of this challenge. You are one of them, and I want to acknowledge your work and thank you so much for this contribution to our Global Ed series. So, Jim Spillane, our appreciation. Thank you very much, Tony. It was a pleasure.